Let's go to Philippians chapter 4, and um, I want to target verse 19. And I'm going to go and, and uh, review a little bit about what I shared last week. How's everybody doing? Good to see you guys. It's good to be in God's house, and man, I'm so grateful for his word. And his word doesn't return void without accomplishing what it's been sent to do. And um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, we're going to read this in the New American Standard. Let's read it out loud together. Let's read it kind of robustly and um, intentionally. Say this, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now the context of this, and it's important not to lift things out of context, rightly divide the scriptures, Paul the Apostle is speaking to the church at Philippi uh, about 30 AD, and he's written a four-chapter letter. It's a beautiful book. I listened to it on, on, my, on my Scorby app on my phone today, and um, the whole chapter is just so rich. There's I press on toward the mark of the prize and so forth. There's God is at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure in chapter 2. Chapter 1, verse 6, I am confident of this very thing. He that has begun a good work, and you will perform it to the day of Christ. Then, uh, then in verse 13 of chapter 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then in keeping with what uh, Stephen Addison just shared regarding giving, uh, Paul talked about no church had really bothered to be on the subject of giving and receiving but this particular church. And so there was apparently a stinginess or a reservation amongst the believers, but not on this church. This church body was generous. They were storing up an offering to help Paul in his work to advance the gospel in the Mediterranean world where he was called amongst the Gentiles, who he was primarily called to. And these guys were financing that. And he was saying, man, I'm just grateful that you gave me that gift. He said, but not that I desire the gift, but the fruit that will abound to your account or increase the profit that will increase to your account. And he was so grateful for the gift because the gift offset his need. But he said, yet, even better than that, I'm so thrilled about the profit that will increase to your account. He, knew, he had in the know on that uh, of God's provision. And uh, so then he goes on in verse 18, and he says, But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I'm amply supplied having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So he said he was, he was sufficiently supplied. And then he goes, and my God will supply all your needs. See that? See the context? And I was listening to this on the way home from the gym, and I was just, it just occurred to me, that's the rhythm and the tone and the context of this mighty verse. This verse is a standalone flat statement. It works from Genesis to Revelation. He gives seed to the sower and bread for food, and he increases the harvest of our righteousness. In Psalm 512, he'll bless the righteous man, he'll surround him with favor as with a shield. In Psalm 1, when we meditate on his word and we don't go on the wrong track and we endeavor to go with God, we'll be blessed in what we do. And these blessings will come upon us and overtake us and so forth. So uh, this is an adamant, primary, essential truth in the Old and New Testament. In Acts chapter 17, uh, he said, In him we live and move and have our being. And he was talking to the Athenians who had an altar with the inscription, 
to the unknown God. And he was trying to reveal who uh, God was from his point of view. He was coming to bring that revelation. And um, so I love this revelation that my God shall supply all of my needs. And uh, this word supply in the Greek is pleruo, pleruo. And it means, if you're writing, if you're a note taker, number one, it means uh, to give something useful or necessary. To give something useful or necessary. My God shall give something useful or necessary to you, right? The second one is, of, of pleruo is to distribute or equip. To distribute or equip. He's not a withholder. In fact, he's a, he's a giver. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. Reinhard Bonnke, the German cowboy, he said, it's always high noon with God. You know, the German cowboy. And uh, meaning there's no shifty shadow or question about it. This is full on, 100%. No, no shadiness to this. This is emphatic. God so loved the world that he supplied his only begotten son who was useful and necessary. God so loved the world and he wanted to equip us so he distributed the Holy Spirit and equipped us on every, he poured out on all flesh, him, him out on all flesh, right? So to play ruo, to supply, my God shall supply is to give something useful or necessary. Number two, uh, to distribute or equip, and number three, to support and sustain, to support and sustain. Now, I want to tell you, this blessing is supernatural. God supernaturally fed the, 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 the Hebrews in the wilderness with manna and gave them water out of a rock. And our beautiful Ray Zepp did some math one day, and he determined, so there was approximately three million uh, Jews that had left uh, Egypt and they were out there on their way to the promised land. Then he figured out how much water you need per day and he equated, it was pretty fascinating, I had never done this, and he did the math and it was like there was millions and millions of water necessary pouring out of the rock to take care of all the men, women, and children that were on their way in their journey. And then there was this stuff called manna and the Hebrew word manna, you know what manna Translated means, what is this? And don't you feel that way about a lot of your Christian experience? I'm telling you, God is, I appreciate how mysterious God is. I mean, he's re really revealed himself clearly in his word. And he's really revealed himself clearly in his son. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I only do what my, I see my father doing. And, you know, so I and my father are one. And so I've learned God's goodness by watching Jesus in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and how he never put leprosy on people, but he did uh, heal them of leprosy. He didn't like, bring a little kid as an illustration of break one of their arms to teach them something like people sometimes think in false doctrine, uh, but he did heal all manner of sickness and disease, right? So I'm clear on that. And, uh, you know, so, but yet God just has all kinds of fun amazingness up his sleeve. But I want to tell you, my God shall supply. He, you know, there was, there was a testimony my daughter read to me from, from people that are here that will remain anonymous. But there, it, was, it was supply of wisdom at work. 
It was a supply of favor at work. And it was a supply that surprised them. And, um, you know, I think about how God will supply. Um, When I first got married, I stepped out in faith with my wife. We stepped out in faith. Um, You know, she had already put herself through college. I was like three quarters of the way through college. And um, we went on to Bible school. and We stepped out in faith. And we figured, you know, we're going to have to really develop our faith concerning God's supply and his inclination. We've got to really understand these aspects because we felt called to big responsibilities. And even in those early fledgling uh, periods, we, I opted not to send any mailing le- uh, uh, like newsletters. I opted not to hint to anybody. I didn't even tell our parents uh, the times when we were really going through um, you know, economic hardship. And we both had jobs. You know, I at one point had two jobs. She, she worked faithfully. In fact, uh, I was watching the Weather Channel, and there's this particular uh, meteorologist lady, and she, I watched her uh, have, like, go all the way to full-term pregnancy. And, and she would, you know, she'd be talking, and then, and then she'd turn sideways. It's like, wow, she's going to have this baby any second. So then I think, I think she probably went, you know, take my little clicker. You know, I'm going to go to the hospital. I mean, and that's the way my wife was. They had the, the, the company she worked for, they had to tell her, okay, you can't work anymore. You got to go home and get off your feet, right? Um, and she just worked on her feet. And then, you know, she was jogging and, you know, it was amazing. She ate a lot of strawberries. And so uh, she only gained just a small amount of weight and came right back, and popped right back. And, and so I'm proud of her. And that uh, meteorologist lady reminded me of my meteorologist lady. Uh, so, uh, and about how God provided for us then. And we, we didn't tell people about it. We just, we, we talked to God about it and we went in and delved into the scriptures. And this was one of the anchoring truths that helped us out. And let's read this out loud together. Verse 19, chapter four. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let that, that awareness come into your world, that supernatural um, goodness of God. You know, look, when I was in elementary school, my mom came to school to hear me recite a poem. And uh, there, I went for the minimum number of lines. I went for this real minimalistic poem because I was so nervous. And I remember going in uh, the elementary school, uh, you know, auditorium, and I walked up to the platform, and, um, and, and, I, and I opened my mouth, and the only thing that would come out of my mouth was, ah, just a squeak. And I watched my teacher, and I watched my mom, I watched all the other kids. It was just like de- deafening silence, and this, these death stares from everybody. And my mom was like, and the teacher, and I just stood there frozen. And, uh, and then I walked, you know, I, I couldn't even, I, I didn't do the speech. So imagine God calling me to get up and preach like this. God, didn't you hear that, that squeak? Didn't you see me trying to reduce it to the smallest little poem? You know, and um, I mean, that was the case with Moses, you know. He said, uh, I, and he stammered. Um, it was a case with Peter. He says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. It was a case of Isaiah who ended up writing one of the most amazing documents foretelling the, the Messiah, the future of, of, of Israel and the ch- and aspects of the church. And he said, uh, 
uh, I'm a man of unclean lips. You know, he, he had that, um, they, they had that limitation awareness, but they didn't know that how God is so abundant. They didn't know yet when Jesus came in in John 10, 10 and said, you know, the thief does come as a diminishing being to steal, kill, and destroy. Then he, then he goes, but I've come that they might have life and have it in abundance. He came to mule kick the devil to destroy the work of the evil one. He came to seek and save that which is lost. And can I tell you, he lavishes supernatural quality empowerment on anybody that will get a hold of it in faith and take hold of it and walk it out. I know, look, we've all lost loved ones and he's been near the brokenhearted. The supernatural comfort of God, that's a, that's a supply. And, and my friend Jim Davis, his wife Jackie died of cancer, called me up and I drove to the house. He didn't call the coroner, he didn't call his family, he didn't call any other neighbors, he called me. We had just met, he had just gotten saved a couple of days on Sunday, and on Tuesday, Jackie passed. I, I checked her and I said, yeah, Jim, she's gone. And he grabbed me by the shoulders. He had told me he was an agnostic. Spent time in India, he was kind of a free thinker. I said, man, I respect you and I don't want to cram anything down your throat, but I'm going to tell you, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus is the only way. I'm not going to hold him back from you. I'm not going to cram it down your throat. He goes, okay. And uh, he got born again in, in our church with Jackie um, uh, praying him through. And it was a beautiful moment. But here's what he said about God's supply. He grabbed me by the shoulders and I'll never forget it because he squeezed so hard. He, he said, I know there's a God. He's comforting me right now. See, that's prosperity. Listen, don't let anybody talk you in or out of God's provision message. Just get in the word and see it for yourself. That way, whatever is being posted or whatever blogger or whatever little conglomerate of uh, intellectuals that want to tear it all down, uh, you, you can just go, but wait a minute. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He gives life and breath to all. Everything comes from him and through him and by him and to him, right? Apart from him, we could do nothing. And I suppose it would be crass and shallow if it was just we were in it just for what we could get from God. It would be an insult to our relationship with him. But how would we even know our Heavenly Father's goodness had we not seen his track of supplying, of his enrichment, of his love, his inclination? And then to know him is to love him. So it's kind of tied together, isn't it? That's how you know somebody is by their behavior and their manner and their expression. And then you, and, 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 but you know, even tonight in praise and worship, I concentrated on just really wanting to love on Jesus. And I, and I want to tell you some things that he will supply. And if you're a note taker, I've got 10 of them. And so one is 10 things that he'll supply you with that he'll restore. One, affection for God. Did you know God can stir up your first love affection for him? I'm, I pray my preaching tonight helps you with that a little bit. That you fall in love with Jesus tonight and just love him. You say, How, though I've never seen him, I love him. That's what the Bible says. And it's trippy, I know. I spend a lot of time talking to somebody that I don't hear audible talk back from and I don't see with my eyes. I've given my whole life to him. But I'm okay with it because I know he's real. And since that's the way he's laid it out, 
and he wants it to be by faith and not by sight, I'm good with it. I'm cool with it. And I want to develop it. So he'll help us, and he'll supply a stirring. He is love, and I reckon there's plenty of his love to go around, and he could stir up a fresh love in our hearts. Number two, a sensitivity to his spirit. He'll restore our affection for him. He'll supply a sensitivity as we get callous through life. We get desensitized by things we, you know, harsh films and violence around us and the news and the things that are, and we yet, God, uh, create uh, sensitivity. Help me to be sensitive to you. Not overly sensitive and my little feelings hurt, be pouty with people. Help me to be tough in those areas, but help me to be sensitive with God and respectful and kind to other people. He'll help us with that. He'll supply that. Number three, he'll help us to develop consistency in the love walk. And there's plenty of opportunity to have that tested. Patience, kindness, not repaying evil for evil. Try to laugh through some of the stuff. We got some weird treatment this week, and I just wanted to laugh. I cracked up jokes and tried to da- dance around it because it was just so weird. I thought, I'll just dance around it. This is so weird. And I went, ha, 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 And the person didn't get any of my jokes, but they were really good. And the reason I say they were really good is it kept me from going, where's the manager? You know, so I just went and sat down. It was like, I did this high diddly-do thing, and it was a blessing. So God helped me. to. I felt like God gave me some good, good shtick to deal with it instead of being a being a jerk. So, hallelujah. He'll help you. He'll supply help for you to walk the love walk and not have your, you know, blow a vein. Number four, he'll help you with breakthrough in your finances. I preached on breakthrough uh, for several months, and uh, in fact, I'm never going to stop preaching on breakthrough because one of the names of God himself is master of the breakthrough, and he is the master of the breakthrough. Say it. He is the master of the breakthrough. And a breakthrough means there's something you have to break through. And it it implies some things are tough in life. And God will supply and God is faithful. Um, Hallelujah, right? Uh, Number five, he will restore renewed and steady joy. In Psalm 51, David prayed in his repentant prayer when he had so badly messed up with Uriah and Bathsheba and all the darkness he walked in. And he said, God, uh, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And Nehemiah, what is it? Is it 810? Uh, The joy of the Lord is our strength. He'll restore to you joy. So much somberness sometimes in life, so much depression that tries to grip us. Some people really have a battle with that. And, um, and, And the joy of the Lord can come in on all of us and on every one of us, because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And God supplies these things, right? And uh, number six, uh, he will restore greater impact on the lost. Greater impact on the lost. I believe the Lord will help us uh, and, and, and supply uh, credible and effective witness out of our lives, with our neighbors, those we do business with, with our colleagues at work, with our family members, even, na- even enemies, that God can help us to be, have an impact on the lost, be a good witness, right? Yeah. And, and number seven, I believe uh, in, along with that, uh, number seven, he will restore and supply uh, 
genuine encouragement that we could give to believers. We're to encourage one another day after day as long as it's called today. We're to consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. And to consider means to ponder, to, to think about it, to actually prepare for it. I believe everywhere we go, somebody needs what we have. And we need to have our speech seasoned with salt. And, uh, you know, James works in a salon and, you know, there'd be a customer there and you don't know what's going on underneath that mop you're cutting or the permanent you're putting in there or the like you did me when you gave me that fro. But uh, you don't know what's going on in that person's melon, but God does. And God might just want to use you. And uh, how, did, how did you know that? You know, how did, and, and the Holy Spirit will supply divine promptings um, where we, we uh, end up being a blessing to people. We leave a trail of enrichment and encouragement. People go, you know, I, I, wanna, I don't want to give up. I don't, I, I don't want to give up. Boy, wouldn't that be nice that your life curbed the suicide rate that your life helped somebody not to get file for divorce. That your life helped somebody to press past and, 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 get, and get healed instead of cave in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I believe, I believe my God shall supply all your needs. He's talking literally about finances to the Philippian church. But man, there's a lot of... Uh, expanded inference about the provision of God in all spectrums of our existence. He, you know, he'll help us, and this is important, to redeem the time. Number eight, he'll equip us to, to be more efficient with the resource of our time. I want to say this sounds like a cliche, but you'll never have more time than you do right now. And the Bible says, make the most of your time. And I want to say this to some of you that are in, crippled with regret and the paralysis of analysis. Again, in Philippians, a great book, forget those things which lie behind and reach forward to what lies ahead. Don't waste your hand. You, you can't have rosy thoughts about the future if you live in the blues of the past. And I'm not telling you to be, have ba basic op, uh, baseless optimism and be giddy. I'm, I'm telling you to have scriptural confidence in the faithfulness of God, and God will even supply a way where there previously has never been a way. And he'll help you. He'll help you to push past the minutia and get some good prioritization, right? I believe he'll help us. He, he'll supply, right? Since it says, my God shall supply all your needs, isn't it a need that God help us to prioritize? Isn't the world barraging us with all kinds of legitimate things? You know, Jesus had needs everywhere, but he wasn't needs-based uh, in his work. Mark chapter 2, for example, he had a great uh, success in a particular village. And evening came, and, and they were asleep, and then they, the, Peter and the uh, other disciples were looking for him. They knew where to find him, and he was alone praying. That's, that's when they saw the master was praying. You know, and you could watch the prayer life of God's son, and you could really learn from it. He often slipped away. And it says that, uh, I think it's Mark chapter 1, verse 35, he said, Let's, he said, Jesus, they're looking for you. He said, let us go to the other towns, for that's why I came forth. So he didn't turn his back on the people and say, I'm done with you, mic drop, forget it, you know, and, and all of a sudden he's indifferent to them. He's trying to follow the leadership of what God has for him, not just the needs that are around him. That's why we're, we, we learn from 
the, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. The priest and the Levite, were, were, they lacked empathy. They were indifferent. They were just like professionals and just didn't care. The Samaritan did care, but the Samaritan didn't get over-obligated and bound up by the person's problem. He didn't stay stuck in the level of where the beat-up guy was. What he did is he picked him up, he cleaned his wounds, he, he hauled him to the inn, and then he told the person at the inn, look, I'm going to finance you uh, uh, nursing him back to health, and, and then he continued on his journey. So what, you know, he says, that, then he tells us to do likewise, and there's even a whole uh, people, uh, people on the road called the Good Sam Club, you know, they're Good Samaritans, and they're out looking to do good works. But we have to understand that we're not to let this stuff disrupt our time management or disrupt our own particular journey. We've got to be sensitive to, and I believe God's going to help us with this. He's doing that with us as a church right now. There are a lot of things we could do, but what are the things you want us to manage our time with and what do you want us to do? My God will supply all my needs. And I'll tell you, one of them that he'll give us is wisdom concerning managing our time. Right? If anyone lacks wisdom, we can ask God and he will give it to us. And then number nine, he will equip us and he will supply so that we can bear much fruit. How many of you that appeals to you that you be fruitful? And this is my father glorified, that you bear much fruit. Young people, you're, you're aspiring to education and then career and advancement and work in God and serving in the Lord and, and marriage and child rearing and all that stuff. Let me just tell you, um, Trust the Lord to help you to be fruitful. Trust the Lord to help you to be a super fruitful person. There was a man in my wife's family's life that had a real commitment to the Lord. His name was Randy Meesey. And he was an honorable man. He worked in the electrical company and went up the ladder, no pun intended, but he went up to the, uh, to the top into management. And he got in trouble at his church when they found out he was going to visit the backslidden men in the bar. And religious people got mad at him. And he was like, not, he wasn't drinking. He was a teetotaler. He wasn't drinking with them. He wasn't in there partying. He went in there. He marched into hell for a heavenly cause. And the religious people got all upset about it. It's like Jesus ate and drank with publicans and sinners. It doesn't mean he's dropping th what is it THC gummies and getting high and and dropping the f bomb so he could relate to them. Jesus didn't do that, and I've heard ministers even say that you got you got to sit around and drink and talk theology. It's like no, I don't think so, man. I had so many problems with alcohol in my family, and so did my wife. And as ministers, I look and I see I partied like crazy in high school and binge drank, and it, I enjoyed it. But I also saw that it would be a bad witness uh, if I stayed in that track. And though the Bible doesn't condemn casual drinking, I've never really seen anybody stay casual with it. And even people that I had a guy tell me he's never been drunk, and I watched him drink, and he got drunk while he was talking to me. <laughs> he's minister of the gospel. I was like, hello, you're drunk. You know, it's like he was, you know, just, uh, he couldn't even talk. It's like, what? 
never been drunk. So Bible doesn't condemn casual consumption of alcohol. It condemns uh, drunk drunkenness. And you have an empty stomach, and you're depressed, and you're on some medication or something, and you do that, you can go crazy. I've seen it in my own family. And I had to make adjustments because people went crazy. So that's why I'm the way I am. I'm not like some, like those, I wouldn't have been the guy ranting, telling Randy Nisi not to go in and reach the guys that were backslidden, that were struggling and depressed. Oh, we, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. And it, so I'm not advising you to go into a bar if you are on the 12-step program and you have a drinking problem and you're going to get tempted. Uh, but I'm just saying we need to be in the world but not of it and trust that God will supply Affection for God, sensitivity to the Spirit, consistency in the love walk, breakthrough in our finances, renewed steady joy, uh, a greater impact on the lost, genuine encouragement for believers, redeeming the time, bearing fruit. And the last one, number 10, is taking the ball to the end zone. Taking the ball to the end zone. I remember when Pujols came in town when he was a rookie. I remember when he... Uh, transferred out to California. I remember when he came back, and we all got to see him on a Friday night, except you were here at church, uh, hit the 701st baseball home run, right? And complete the cycle, and it's pretty cool. The guy, you know, he loves the Lord. He's a sweet brother from the Dominican. He's, he cares about, uh, he, he's got a, a real heart for Down syndrome kids, and he really has an impactful ministry work with them, and and, uh, uh, but I liked it that we, he, he came full circle. Yeah. And I remember he had a restaurant, and as soon as he left town, people got so mad, and they changed the name of the restaurant, and girl mad at him, you know. And then, but he came back, and it's like, and I had a jersey from the, uh, Kingston and I went to uh, the, the, um, the, the, what's that game that they play in baseball, the, the, the World Series? Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, so listen to this. Yeah, I'm, I, I want to, Stanley Cup. Yeah, I'm going to try to get him right. Uh, but um, my, 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 my assistant, Nancy, called me and said, Pastor Jeff, I got a problem. I said, what is it? Kingston just came into the office, and he said he needed two tickets for the World Series. I said, what? Because, he, you know, he didn't even, I didn't know he even was interested in baseball. I, I said, and he was like uh, 10 years old. It was 2004, so he was... 12 years old, 12 years old. So he says, I need two tickets. And I said, well, what's he need two tickets to, this, to the World Series for? He goes, because he wants to take you. So then I was like, well, I said, go online and see. She said, they cost like $1,200, scalp $1,200 up in the nosebleeds. I went, oh, man, we, how do, we got to tell him this. And then a little while later, Larry Colette from Cast Bank called, and they had a box, and they said, hey, because... We're one of their best customers, which I think is great, but I would like to get that over with and pay it everything off, <laughs> right? But we've had a wonderful relationship with them. They're beautiful people, and, uh, you know, good flow of, you know, great relationship, good accounting and everything. But he said, I have two tickets, and you could come up to the box. So bingo. So I bought Kingston a hat. I bought a hat, and I bought Kingston a jersey, and I bought a jersey. We bought Albert Pujols jerseys, and, uh, and I bought a hat that had the... 04 World Series. Do you remember that one? That's the one where St. Louis blessed Boston by, by helping them to break the curse of the Bambino. Remember that? And we got shut out in four games. So I went to one of the games where we lost, right? 
but I have pictures of Kingston with me. And so then I had that jersey in my closet through the Albert Pujols' awesome, he's like Babe Ruth, to where he's chopped liver, he left and went to California, we don't like him anymore, to where he came back, and I was able to, I got, a, I got to go this last season, and I got to walk out there with my jersey, and, and I got to watch Albert get out there, and he because he's playing the long game, and he didn't take the ball to the goalpost, because that's another sport, but he did, <laughs> he did hit a 700, his 701st home run in, in the stadium, up to the McDonald's land or whatever it's called, and a kid caught it. And in fact, they're gonna they're gonna auction it. They think they're they've already got fifteen thousand on it. They think they're gonna get over fifty thousand dollars for it. In fact, his girlfriend, the ball fell into her cup, and you can see people trying to tear it away from this little sweet little girl's you know cup. And I thought, you people are weird, man. You know. But then I found out it was worth fifty thousand dollars. I thought, uh, oh, now I see why you're trying to beat up that girl and tear the cup out of her head. That makes sense now. Oh, why didn't you tell me? But I like seeing uh, things come to completion, right? And I love that he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Faithful is he who calls you, he'll also bring it to pass. And though they're like, like John Newton wrote in Amazing Grace, though through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Who's been through a thing or two here? Come on. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. No doubt about it. And you've been through times where your affection for God was cold. There have been times where you got uh, not as sensitive to the Holy Spirit. There were times your impact with souls wasn't as great. There were times when, you know, you, you felt depleted. There were times when you, you didn't have two nickels in your bank account. And yet, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Right? Can I close with an amazing verse in, in, in Luke chapter 5? Can we go to Luke chapter 5? And uh, we're going to read something. Uh, it's, just, it's just super amazing. And because one of, the, one of the definitions of the word pleruo, supply, is to, f- to fill to the full. To fill to the full. Ephesians 1.23 says, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He, God is abundant. He's not a depleting type being. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life. Anybody that fights against this doctrine needs to just read the Bible. I don't even understand why you would argue against this. It's emphatic all the way from Genesis to Revelation. God is a God of abundance, and he's so good, Right? Um, uh, this, is, this is the one I wanna, wanted you to look at. It, it, the pleruo means to cram the net, to cram the net. And, uh, and, it's, and, and look what it says in Luke chapter five. We'll look at verse one through nine. It says, now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats lying on the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out uh, of them and were washing their nets as so they were finished for the day. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon, Simon Peter's, and asked him uh, to put him out a little way from the land. And he, he sat down and he began teaching the crowd or the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Put out into the deep water and let out your nets for a catch. Simon answered him and said, Master, 
We've worked, one translation said we've toiled hard all night. Where does toil come from? It comes from the fall where God said you, you, your life will be a life of toil. And, uh, but yet in Proverbs 10.22 in the NIV, it, and where it says that he makes rich and adds no sorrow with it, in the NIV it says he makes rich and, and there's no uh, toil. Like God restores us. Listen, there are some things and testimonies that I heard just today from your accounts that it, you, you, there was one particular case where a real difficulty was bearing down on this particular person. And, and, and they tried all the conventional things they could do. They toiled to try to make it right on their part. And then nothing worked. And then supernaturally, God turned it around in a way that was actually mystifying to the person that went through the trouble. And I, I, we have friends that uh, had trouble having babies, went through the fertility process, uh, paid a lavish expense for it. Uh, it failed, and they were so brokenhearted over it, we had to coach them through the depression of it, and then they got pregnant a couple of times. One guy was married for 12 years. They got pregnant so many times, they stay away from me now. It's like they just had like four babies. It's like, because I believe God will supply fertility, supernatural fertility. God's been good to this church. He, 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 we, you know, he says, hey, I want you to work in Katrina. It's like we're going to need all kinds of like, 18 wheelers, and we're going to need such a system. Uh, and God supplied it. God supplies it. And, and, and so, you know, uh, I've never needed a jet, so I don't bother with it. Some people that do, they get it. It's fine, you know. Uh, you, you know, uh, it's, it's like, what do you need? Open your mouth wide, the Bible says, and I'll fill it. Like, I often need, I don't know what to say, Lord. Show me what to say. Show me what to refrain from saying. We, we need that. And God will, he will, he'll cram the net. Look what it says here. So he says, look, we toiled all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say. Everybody say, but I will do as you say. Uh, and, which is interesting because Jesus was a carpenter. Simon was a professional fisherman. Jesus grew up in Nazareth and, and Galilee was, you know, a few miles uh, east of where Jesus grew up. And he's not going, uh, you're a carpenter, I'm a fisherman, you know, but he, he's acknowledging him that he's the master. So I'll do what you tell me to do. And uh, I've even heard when I was over there that actually the fishing, the way those fish uh, school in the time of the day and things, for him to say, go out into the deep was counterintuitive. It's like a fisherman would know Fundamentally, that's not correct. The fish aren't in the deep at that point, so they're they're having a ra their rationale is jacked, you know, with practicality. But yet, you know, Jesus says, "Just do this." It's just like Jesus saying to Mary, "Hey, you're gonna have a baby, not knowing any man." And it's like, "Be it unto me according to your word," right? He says, "Hey, uh, Noah, I'm gonna warn you so you protect your family. Build an ark." It's like, okay, what's an ark? He googles it. There's nothing for it. Without precedence. That's where I feel what God's trying to get us to do right now is without precedence. There's, this, is, this is a prophetic time we're in right now. God will supply direction. But here's he gives it. And I will let down the nets. When Verse 6. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. That's a high-class problem. 
So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. Isn't that awesome? So there was amazement because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And I just want to tell you, God wants to thrill you with restoration of your love walk with Him. He wants to heal you. He wants to, he wants to empower you with supernatural strength, supernatural courage, supernatural wisdom, supernatural business savvy, supernatural um, resolve in your marriage, resolve with your kids. You, don't you let the devil alienate you from your adult kids. You get, I, there's a horse, there, there are two horses by my house and I walk by them and the, the brown one runs up and he, he rubs with me and he's, he's so sweet. The, the, the gelding, his ears pin back and he goes, and he gives me this look and he bows up and he's flat. I realize you're 1,500 pounds bigger than me, but you know, come on, I'm coming here to, I'm, I'm giving you some love. You know, and the, I mean, the, the one brown one will run over and the, the, the gelding will come over just to go and do the ear pinning thing. Um, have you ever had a horse pin their ears back and look at you like that? Bad things happen right after that. They're doing you a favor and telling you, don't pet me. You don't know what you're doing, neighbor. These are equestrians. You don't know what you're doing. You drive a car, they ride a horse, right? You're not a cowboy buster, right? That's what that other horse, the other horse is like a dog. In fact, he's wagging his head like this. It had his, his snout under my arm. I thought he could pick me up and flip me onto the back of the, of the uh, gelding. And then that gelding, we could go Bronco, could have had a rodeo, you know? And I, so I, I didn't know what their plan was. So anyway, I'm just telling you, get, the, get that out of your mind. It has nothing to do with my message. But you know, he'll, full, he'll fill to the full. He'll fill to the full, right? And, uh, and, 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 he, and he, he's the fullness that fills all in all. Colossians 2.10, in him you have been made complete. It, the, he, this, this idea of pleruo is he will complete a person so that there is no lack in, in you. In, in he, 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 he's, the, he's the one that that fills the hollow place. And I'll close with this. Ephesians or Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has set eternity in their hearts. And, um, and I've been quoting Blaise Pascal lately, the French physicist. He said, and it was translated into English, basically, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person which cannot be filled by any created thing but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. He's our fullness. And I sense it in this meeting. My wife turned to me and she said, I sense the presence of God. I said, I do too. And I looked up and I saw Holly was wearing white shoes. Beth was wearing white shoes. Nobody else is wearing white shoes. Didn't you get the email? Come on, Holly and Beth. Come on, let's stand up here. Come on. Let's all stand up on our feet. Hallelujah. Patsy, come on. Yeah, you have something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's just nine o'clock. We're great. I did good. I got a six-week series in one moment, so. Well, we in go. worship, this came to me. 
and uh, I'm not going to prophesy, but I feel led and impressed to just say this tonight. People are going to begin to sweep into the kingdom. And some things are just more important than other things. And the most important thing, God supplies our needs, and he's going to supply your needs. The most important thing in the world is that people walk with God. The most important thing in the world is that people know him. And uh, there's going to be a shift. I can't tell you the exact time, but I sense it in my spirit. People are going to sweep into the kingdom. So I don't know. I want to say it's before the end of the year. I kind of think it is. But I'm just telling you for some reason tonight, God wanted me to say that. Yeah, in 95, we saw a lot of people get saved. We did. Do you remember that one guy got saved? And that week you went uh, fishing, swimming, fishing. You're always around water. And that big fish jumped out of the water in between your feet. Yeah. And then tonight you're talking about the nets being full. Yeah. It's it's representing souls. Yeah, I was was paddling in a canoe and a pretty good-sized bass jumped out of the water, landed in between my feet and looked up at me. I thought... Right? <laughs> Another That's time. That's my kind of fishing. In September, <laughs> September 20th, 1992, I fished for two and a half hours, casting, and I just, it was like, it was like the day of 10,000 casts. No bites. The steam was coming off the water. It was autumn, and I thought, and I just, but I, I was going to go on a long air, airline flight, and we had already packed, and she said, yeah, go ahead and, you know, get refreshed before we get on the plane. I caught the biggest bass of my life, a seven pounder. Later on, I caught a bigger one because somebody said, that'll be the biggest one of your life. So it took me 20 years, but I caught a tw- almost eight pounder. But this one, it was, I just looked at it and God immediately said to me, you'll be, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And there are gonna be some unique soul winning opportunities. And we had them we're going to have them again. Yeah. Debbie Shaw, Frank, you've got favor. You have I, a unique, you've got a unique array of friendships. God's I prayed for my neighbors that, that invited us into their lives and asked us about Jesus. Let's, it's a unique, it's a unique time. Really it's a unique time. Get ready. We're in a wonderful season, right? And he supplies. Say this with me. And my God, and my God shall supply, shall supply all, of my needs. all of my needs. Point to somebody. All of your needs. All of your needs. Go like this. All, all of our needs. According to his riches and glory. According to his riches and glory. And this is the key. In Christ, Christ Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Amen. I just think we're supposed to pray along that line. Whenever God is saying something, you don't just go, oh, that's great. We pray according to that line, along that line. We get sensitive to the spirit. We listen to his voice. When he tells us to tell somebody, we do it. You know, most of the people that I got freaked out about telling them about Jesus, you never see them again anyway in your life. It's like, why would we get up freaked out about that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like you sow a seed in their heart that might get them into eternity and you're freaked out about it. That's good, Pastor. No, I mean, just, you know. Help us, Lord. In Amen. fact, tonight, if you've never given your heart to the Lord, do it, to, do it now. Today's the day of salvation. Who in here has experienced that cleansing and that, 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 isn't it amazing? It's hard to describe. 
It's like, oh, you, you got religion, or you had a religious experience. No, I, no, I got saved. Oh, you got saved. Yeah, yeah. I got saved from hell and sin and its consequences, and I got saved from emptiness, and I got saved from self-centeredness, and Jesus turned my life around. Oh, yeah, well, that's good for you, you religious nut. It's like, contraire, mon frere. Jesus is Lord, and you give your heart to him, uh, it's beautiful. Now, did I preach some sort of gimmicky, what we could get out of God? No, I just preached about how, how wonderful and his, his beautiful tendency toward enrichment and enablement and strength and equipping. I mean, he will take you and do something great through your life if you let him. But it has to be, you have to be in faith for it. You have to trust God and just say, God, I know the past is past. Today's a new day. I forget what lies behind. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, right?